We have a really different sermon this morning. Um, Today may feel a little bit more like a a classroom environment than necessarily a lecture environment. So hopefully this will be kind of fun um, as we go through this this morning. But before we do that, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, uh, what a blessing it is to be able to develop deep and loving friendships with each other. It's such a gift to call one another brother and sister and to be family. And with the blessing of that also comes the truthfulness of the hurts when we have to say see you later to some friends, some family, Lord God. And so this morning, Lord, I ask that you would give us some courage and strength as we um, send off Jeffrey and Lizzie, love on them well, pray for them, encourage them and exhort them. We know that this isn't goodbye, it's just we'll see in a little bit. Lord God, be with us this morning as we study the incredible, powerful Holy Spirit. We learn the truths of who he is and may that transform our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I've taken a systematic theology class entitled Pneumatology. Um, Really big word here. Um, So I'm teaching you your big word for the day. Pneumatology, basically. Pneuma means spirit or wind. Ontology is the study of. Or ology is the study of. So this is basically the study of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Fancy term so you can impress your friends and neighbors and yeah. All right. What did you guys do on Sunday? Well, we talked about pneumatology. Outstanding. You know, when I took the pneumatology class, um, the way in which um, I was shown to be successful in that class was I, would take, I took a period of, we had a period of quizzes and exams. We also wrote papers that was supposed to demonstrate our knowledge of the Holy Spirit. I wonder how terrifying that class would have been if my professor would have gotten up and said, the way that we're going to gauge whether you understand this material or not is if at the end of this course, your life has been radically altered and changed. And we're going to bring in those people that are around you and closest to you and ask them, if you understand the material, because you treat them differently, you love them differently, and you see God differently, would not have done well if that would have been the criteria. But brothers and sisters, that's exactly the criteria for us when we look at this material. God doesn't want us leaving here with puffed up heads and hearts that are filled with pride because, hey, I know the seven truths of the Holy Spirit and I can rattle those off to you. Fabulous. I'm so glad you've learned that knowledge, but has it changed your heart? 
So as we go through these today, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to talk about each truth of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at scripture support for that truth. And then uh, we're going to ask each other, we're going to kind of, I'm going to lob out this question of what difference does this truth make in how you live out your life? How you get out of bed in the morning, how you brush your teeth, how you treat your, your family, how you go to work, how do you go to the golf course, how you are at the supermarket, how you are at the bank. How does this truth practically change how you live? Because brothers and sisters, we have already stated in the last few weeks that God, the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, indwells us. And if these truths are true and are trustworthy, it changes how we live our lives because God is with us. So the first thing that we're going to look at this morning, we had a different point. Initially, when we were in our sermon chat this week, we kind of said, you know what, the first point really needs to be the, the first point that we just said in the creed. And that creed is so wonderful. I know it may feel like uh, it's just something that we do, but I really hope that you begin to memorize it as we're going through this because those are just wonderful, simple truths that we believe about our God that hold us true and fast in following him and, and keep us from diverting to false teachings and false understandings of Scripture. So in Acts chapter 5, do you have a Bible? Everybody need a Bible? We got some Bibles in the back. Um, oh, and Curtis and Colleen got some Bibles here. You're going to hand them out. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We're going to be kind of jumping all over the place. I know some people have this thing with topical preaching. I've had, we've had people leave because we did a topical preaching series. I'll be back when you're doing an exegetical series. Okay, let me tell you something. Without doing topical preaching, we couldn't spend seven weeks on the Holy Spirit because he's all over the Bible. Nigel did a great job of pointing that to us, right? He's all over the scriptures, as he did, from Genesis to Revelation. Why? Because he's always been, right? And so topical preaching does serve a valuable purpose in the church life. So when you hear that there's going to go through a series, don't go, oh, man, I'd rather just go through John from, from verse 1 to, to, to the end of, of, of the book. Those are wonderful times as well, but each has a purpose and meaning and significance for us. But before we dive into pneumatology proper, we have to understand that, I don't know where you're at on this, but we as a church body at Livingstone Church, we believe in a triune God. And we believe that that has extreme significance and understanding. It's significant so much for us. And Glenn mentioned it already this morning that we're trying to be family. How are we able to be family? Because God is Father. And because God is Father, we get to be called the family of God, the children of God. That matters. And Jesus Christ is the servant. And because he was the ultimate servant that went to the cross, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the grave, and still is the servant to all who believe as he intercedes on behalf of every single Christian. And because he's servants, we get to be servants. 
And we can serve one another and we can consider other people's needs greater than our needs because that's exactly what our Savior did for us. It matters that Jesus was a servant for all men. And it matters of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit came. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and we are a sent people into a dark world. And God uses the sent people to bring the gospel message to people. The Trinity matters. And so we believe in a triune God. Keller, I was listening to Keller this week on his sermon on the Trinity, and he painted this incredible, just beautiful picture of the Trinity. That within the Godhead, and, and, and let me tell you what, if you're, if you're going to come up here and tell me this morning, yeah, I've got this perfect analogy for the Trinity. It's like an egg. It's like a triangle. Okay, just, just let's take all those wonderful things that we try to, to, to explain the Trinity and let's just kind of push those to the side for a second. And let's say that to understand the Trinity is a mind-blowing thing and none of us can grasp it. His ways are higher than his, our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we, we, we again, like Nigel so wonderfully stated, we're going to set up that right perimeter that's safe, that's a biblical perimeter, and a left perimeter, and we're going to work within that when we talk about the Trinity. Within the Godhead, the Father perfectly loves and adores the Son, and the Son perfectly loves and adores the Holy Spirit and the Father, and the Spirit perfectly loves and adores the Son and the Father. The Godhead perfectly loves and adores each other. They glorify each other. They, it's wonderful within the Godhead. You see this perfect picture of relationship. By the way, thank God we have a triune God because the triune God demonstrates to us that we have a God who desires a relationship with us. So if God is perfectly adored and perfectly loved within the Godhead, then why did he create us? Brothers and sisters, God created us so that our delight might be in him. And then as we delight living for him with each other, we glorify God. So if this morning as we look at the Holy Spirit and these teachings, if it leads us in any place but to, to not to delight in God, then we're missing the point and we're not glorifying. We get to delight in God. He made us to delight in him and enjoy him. And I'm sorry to say that has not been the MO for Christians. We're a humglum people, a lot of us. Brothers and sisters, God made us to delight in him and glorify him. And so hopefully as we go through this together, we are encouraged this morning as we study the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. The first thing that we want to say this morning is that the Spirit is God. Give you a little backdrop to the story, brief backdrop. Ananias and Sapphira has sold some land, and they're bringing the, their, their, the monies that they collected from that, but they're holding some back for themselves. Um, before Peter, starting in verse Three, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of this land? While it remained unsold and did not remain your own, and after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? 
Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Peter is saying it right here. You have lied to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God. Now, we, those of you who know the story know that Ananias drops dead. And his, his wife comes in behind him, and she drops dead as well. I wonder how many more hearts and lives might be a little bit more fearful towards God that that's going on today. But the honest truth was I would probably be dead as well if that was how it is still happening. We know that the Holy Spirit is God. And we know that God is good. We know that God is great. We know that God is gracious. And we know that God is glorious. So since we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God, how does that change how we live our daily lives? Not a rhetorical question. How does it change that you have the presence of God within you? It should be in every way. Okay. Give me, give me one, one specific example. Just one I want this to be super practical. Make it super practical. We should have more confidence every day getting up. Not that it happens, but we should. Confidence. We have the power of God in us. There shouldn't be a more confident person. A lot more love. Oh, you're going to have to get quieter. we got seven of these. Robin. Joy. We should be filled with joy. When it says, you know, this idea of being filled with joy and being excited to be a Christian, absolutely God is within us. Self-discipline. Oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> That's one I struggle with. Amen to that, right? Um, absolutely. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. If God indwells us, we should be able to be self-disciplined in how we live our lives. And that self-discipline rolls over into a lot of different areas. All right. Because we have seven, I'm going to keep us moving this morning. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, that was going to be the first point this morning, and I, we thought that that might throw everybody kind of for a loop. So we've established the Holy Spirit is God, okay? Now, when we talk of the Trinity, we talk of the three persons, the three roles of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? So since the Holy Spirit is person, he is personal, and he is in relationship and desires relationship with us. You look at John chapter 14, verse 7, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth gospel, John chapter 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. A math of 14, 17. No wonder that didn't make sense. 14, 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you 
and will be in you. Now, this is very interesting, this idea of you know him. This isn't like we're going to quiz you later on the seven attributes or we're going to have an exam. But this is like your life has been impacted and changed by him. And if you are a child of God in here, if you say you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have experienced, you know the Holy Spirit because he has changed your heart. Because that's the only way to know God is if the Holy Spirit has done a work on your heart and he's changed you. So you know him. So start there and be encouraged this morning. You know him. He's changed your heart. He's changed your life. And that's wonderful and that's exciting. And the Holy Spirit wants to be known. Pause that for a second. Think about that. The Holy Spirit wants to be known. He has not hidden himself away. He has not kept himself hidden, but he has revealed himself to us so that we might know him and have our lives continually changed by him. The Holy Spirit wants us to know him more and more every single day. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to reveal the teachings of Jesus Christ to us. He wants us to grow us in our knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He loves you. He loves me. He is in relationship with us. This is not a personal, distant, weird, mystical, far-off thing, but rather indwells us. And because he is in relationship with us, he wants us to know him. Tell me how that changes how you perceive your day, how you look at your day. You have got the almighty God in you who wants to know you. How does that change how you approach your day? I'm going to start calling on some teenagers here in a second. Johnny, how's it change your day? Secure. We all want to be loved. And the Holy Spirit's presence in us demonstrates we are loved. The scripture says we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're kept by the Holy Spirit. I keep telling him he's going to be a preacher someday, but he won't just listen to me and and go for it. But I keep telling him. Somebody else. Patience. What? Attitude. Patience, right? I can be more patient because the Holy Spirit is a relational patient with me. (laughs) Right? Over and over again. Then I need to extend that patience outwardly. I'm sorry, John, one more time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Changes our attitude. You're never alone. Wow. Let that sink in. You're never alone because the Holy Spirit dwells you. He is in relationship with you. This is good. I don't know about you. I, this is like, I, I feel like we could just do this for days. All right. You're like, I got other things to do this afternoon. All right. Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. Keep it, if you got your Bibles open in John 14, we're going to stay there. In John 14, 16, come back a verse. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. We also talked about, remember when, when Nigel was talking about in Genesis when the Spirit was hovering over the waters of the deep? 
The, the Holy Spirit has always existed forever and ever and ever. He's eternal. We also know of the Holy Spirit that he is holy. In Hebrews 9, 14. Hebrews is towards the back of your Bible. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead to work works, dead works to serving the living God. And then in Romans 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. And it was and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the holy the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so the holy, holy spirit, right? How many times in the scriptures is the Holy Spirit called holy? A lot, right? So the Holy Holy Spirit resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave. Now, if you start to begin to think about this for a moment, the very spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave, the very spirit that caused Jesus to be conceived, the very, very same spirit is holy, is eternal, and indwells in us. How does that change your day? How does that change your day? The power to overcome. And overcome in a way that is righteous and good and beneficial for you and beneficial for others and beneficial for the church. Different perspective. Absolutely, Travis. A different perspective on how we see the world. We can see the world through the lens of Jesus Christ that he has given us to see the world from his perspective. And not a despairing perspective, but a perspective of hope. That God is at work. I know y'all weren't expected to think so much this morning. This is good, right? One more. That's crazy. Stop talking so crazy, okay? Glenn said the wisdom of the eternal God who's always existed, knows all things, and dwells us. That we have that kind of knowledge and wisdom available to us to live out our lives. Wow. If you're not getting encouraged a little bit by this point, maybe you check your pulse, Okay? This is amazing. This is God within. This is the Holy Spirit. Why study the Holy Spirit? I hope you're starting to go, man, I didn't realize this. This is incredible. All right, we're moving on. Moving on. The Holy Spirit is perfectly praying for us. If the power wasn't enough, if the holiness and eternalness wasn't enough, the Holy Spirit is praying for us in Romans chapter 8. Great verse Man, you should earmark this in your Bible. This should so encourage you of why you need to be continually praying before God and having a heart and attitude of prayer before God. 
In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, Lord, I know i got to come before you and pray, but I don't know what to say. My heart's broken. I feel crushed. I feel alone. I feel desperate. I feel lost. And you just close your eyes, and you're just sitting there before the Almighty God going, I know I'm supposed to say something right now, but I ain't got nothing. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what the right thing to say. One of those things for me is when I go to a hospital room before I walk in, And I'm about ready to walk in that room and go pray for someone. And I'm, I'm begging God, don't let me pray against your will. I don't want to go in there and pray that this, spirit be, or this person be healed. And that's not what you've got for them. That the healing that you have in store for them is to come home. Or I don't want to sit there and go in there and say, hey, you know what? Because sometimes we think that the elderly, the, hey, this person's 95 years old. They just need to go home and be with Jesus. But I don't want to go in there and pray that, Lord, just take him home if he's got more work for them to do. I don't, but you know what's really encouraging to me is that I can walk into that room and say, Holy Spirit, we're about to pray right now. And we're about to pray our will, but we don't want our will to contradict you. And I ask that, Holy Spirit, you pray and words too deep for us to understand and, and, and that we would pray the will of God you would pray the will of God on our behalf right now, which is perfect. As you go on reading this here, it says, For we do not know, for we do not pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts and knows, is, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let me tell you what, that should give us incredible freedom to go before the Lord and pray. Incredible freedom. Because we have the Holy Spirit who knows exactly what the will of God is. And he is in us and he is praying on our behalf for the will of God to be done. Now it's my desire to know, to know what that will is. But I don't think, I know for a fact God doesn't reveal that all the time to us. But scriptures say we can trust him. He's eternal. He's holy. He knows the will of God he will pray for us perfectly. How does this change how we live our lives? How does this change our prayer life? Free. Free. Get rid of those things that hold you down and tie you down in your prayer life. Get rid of them. Throw them off. Bring, it, bring things, all things before God. Bring it before the throne. And the Holy Spirit is right there with you, encouraging your heart to be full, wide open before God in prayer. Free. What's that? Ooh, I don't always have to talk. And I know for some of you, maybe that this time of stillness is, when's he going to start singing again? You know, it's like uncomfortable for us a little bit. How much time during the week do you spend stillness, not mindlessness? And I want to make sure this isn't some, some Near Eastern meditation junk. No, but stillness before God. 
Or you always got to say something. Or does something always have to be plain? Absolutely, we can be still before God. Yes. Absolutely, it makes you realize how important prayer is if God himself is praying on your behalf. Oh my land. You're like, man, I need to dedicate like more time to prayer with God, right? But it's not just set aside time, but it's this attitude of continually being in prayer with God throughout the whole entire day. And I'm not like, please don't close your eyes while you're driving down the road to pray. Bad idea, okay? But being an attitude of prayer, like, Lord, as I'm driving, like, I'm going to go do these things. I'm just going to run to the grocery store, but if there's somebody there you want me to meet, if there's somebody there that I don't want to meet, but I need to talk with them and I need to confess them, Lord, just prepare my heart to always be ready to share the gospel. Prepare my heart to just be tender and to be soft and to be loving. Absolutely. Prayer is so powerful. Outstanding. The next thing that we're going to talk, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Man, not the. Now, I want you to, to pause for a second. In our society, in our today and age, especially amongst men, I think this is prevalent, but you know, it's really growing amongst women as well. Women, you're being told not to have emotions. Women, you're being told to be tougher. Women, be, you're being told these things. And guys have been told this for a while, too. And, and so that when we hear that God has emotions, we think, well, so what, is God weak? It's God like this, like, was he a crybaby or something? Absolutely not. But when we read in the scriptures, and we read this scripture actually last week, oops, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we read that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. That our disobedience grieves God. That the way we live our lives matters to God. Did you know that? It matters. We can grieve the heart of God. I don't know about you, but that, I don't like to hear that. I'd rather hear that he just gets mad at me or something like that. I'd rather to hear like he's emotionless about it rather than I grieve the heart of God with my disobedience. How does that change how you think about your day and how you live your life out? That you could grieve God. You could grieve the Holy Spirit by, and understand, we talked last week about that. Like how can we grieve up disobedience and disobedience especially? And that passage is speaking to the gifts that God has given us and not using those gifts for his glory, for his work, for his church specifically. That we can grieve God by not utilizing the things that he has given to us. How does that change how we live? John.
We want, absolutely. So what John said, I don't know if you could hear him, it, it reprioritizes our day. That we're looking to live our day out in light of what the Holy Spirit is going to do and lead us and direct us. And so that, that means instead of holding our days like this, which we tend to do, is we hold our days like this. That the Holy Spirit, if you've got me, I, want, I think I'm going in this direction, but if you need me to go in that direction, that's where I want to be. It reprioritizes our day. We hold our days loosely. We hold our plans loosely. Amy. Absolutely. Amy said that it makes us more accountable to God for what we do, what we say, what we think. We don't even have to say them. The Spirit knows what's in our heart. Absolutely. Daryl. Am I in awe of God, right? If I've got this healthy awe of God, this, this fear of God, then I'm going to want to, I'm going to want to please him, right? I mean, we think of our kids. We want our kids to please us, right? Yeah, we want our kids to have a heart that desires to please us, not just have actions to please us, but to truly have a heart that desires to want to do what's right. We get the greatest joy in the world when we see that in our kids, when nobody's watching, nobody's looking, nobody's around, and our kids have this desire to do what's right. That feels so good, right, to us. How about for the father who's always watching, right? And he always sees all things. But for him to know, for him to know and look into our hearts, into our minds, and to know that we desire to please him and to worship him and to obey him. And we have a healthy, reverent fear of God. That's, that's something that we should want and desire. Glenn. <laughs> how do I treat others who he's inside? Does this change how I treat my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? Do I desire to serve them? Do I desire to be the first one that when we hurt to, to seek forgiveness and repentance to restore relationships? Voice is saying that she wakes up in the morning and goes to bed at night just praising God. And Bill doesn't know whether Lois is talking to him or oh God. Bill, I'll probably give you an indicator. Um, if there's something that's been done wrong, he's talking to you, okay? I'm just, just saying. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, the Holy Spirit is the perfect gift giver. 
the perfect gift giver, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. We're almost done. I know it's still a little warm in here. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All those who are empowered by one in the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So guess what? There are days that I would love to have a musical ability. And I don't. I don't. It's, 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 it's ugly, okay? Some of you have said, oh, your singing voice is not that bad. You've heard me sing two notes and a very specific range, okay? I have a very specific range that involves about three or four notes, okay? Could do well, get me outside of that range, it's ugly. I have no rhythm. You'll see me clapping over here. If you hear the person's offbeat, it's usually me. Praise God I don't have that ability because God has given me the abilities and the gifts that I need to glorify and to worship him. And praise God for the abilities that I see. That's the beauty of the church. We get to look to each other's gifts and say, praise God they've got that ability. Praise God they've got that ability. Praise God they're doing that for God. And, and celebrate with them. But what's wrong in our hearts is when we look at other people's abilities and giftings and we say, man, I wish I had that. I could do so much better with that gift than they can. Wrong. He is the perfect gift giver. He gives us exactly what we need so that we can fulfill the commission and the call that God has put on each one of our hearts and minds to do for him and for his glory. He's the perfect gift giver. All right, since he's the perfect gift giver, how does this change how you live out your life? Amen. I know. We really elevate that. Travis said, it's not, it's not what you desire, but it's what he wants for you. And we put a lot, of, a lot of onus on what I want in this society, in this world today. But God says, I've given you exactly what you need to live for me. So it's not about what we want. It's about what he gives. And so hopefully I'm setting up this insatiable desire for you to say, okay, what are my gifts? Because my brother's coming next week to talk about that. So we're just kind of setting you up here for next week. And we're going to give you a gifts place where we can go to take a gifts test. We're going to hopefully give that out to our life group leaders. And as life groups, you're going to take those gifts tests together. And you're going to talk about them together. And then you're going to talk about how you can implement them together. Woohoo! Now, oh, come on. I know, you get excited. Come on now. All right. How else does this change your, how you live your day? So Jeffrey said, and most of you probably could hear him, that, well, you can, okay? But I need to say it for the, for the, for the online thing, um, is that it makes you secure in who, who you're, you're called to be. We're not, stop looking at the doggone magazine racks when you're checking out of the grocery store. Please. They are not who God has called you to be. Stop looking to your neighbors for who you're supposed to be. Stop looking to your right and to your left. God has given you the gifts for who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to glorify him with your life, with the church family. And be secure in it. Be okay about it. Be excited about it. It's off the chain. We got the presence of God in us giving us the perfect gifts. Sorry, no Christmas. I, I know, Glenn, you're laughing at me off the chain? Yes. It's too much Chan, right? <laughs> 
You know, it's, it's, it's just so wonderful to think about that we could never give each other a greater gift than the gift that the Holy Spirit has given us first in Jesus Christ and then throughout our life in him, continually giving us gifts. And those gifts can change over time because he calls us to different things in our different lives. He's going to equip us differently throughout those times, and he's perfectly given just what we need. We're never without. Oh, that's exciting. We have to go on, go on on that note. All right. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, all know, or everywhere at all times. And that one will blow your head. If that doesn't hurt your head, he has always existed. He exists in eternal past to eternal future. And, 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 and God already exists. This is what's going to really hurt. God already exists where we're home, where this world's ended. He already exists there. Okay? He's everywhere. All right, and he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, okay? And so these three verses support each one of those three attributes. Since the Holy Spirit, who indwells us, has all power, is always everywhere at all times, and knows everything, how does that change how we live each day? Tom. Ha-ha! <laughs> We don't have to know everything. Tom said, Tom, I got to repeat this. Tom said that allows us to face the unknown. And we face a lot of unknowns. And what's crazy is what we think we know about tomorrow can change today. Can't it? But guess what? The beautiful thing is because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we can face tomorrow because he's already there. He already knows what's going to happen, and he's got the power to give us to get us through that day. That's why I love the disciples' prayer where we're supposed to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily. 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 We can have confidence in tomorrow even though we don't know what tomorrow holds. Somebody else. I'm going to get... Go ahead, Marianne. It gives us the ability to submit with that thought in mind that this is the day, this was my plan, this is your plan, that you just let go and yeah. submit to his will. Yeah. That it's supposed to be this way. Amen. We get a, so Marianne said we get to submit to the will of God. Even though we have our plans, we hold them loosely, but we just get to say, God, here's my plans. I'm bringing them before you, and I'm submitting them before you. And if you change all of them, cool. I want to go where you're going. Absolutely, Daryl. And then Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> Daryl said, it allows us to accept what comes our way without blaming God. Yeah, that's a hard one to live out. I mean, we, we struggle with that, right? When things don't go our way, when things happen, that we, God... This is your fault, rather than, man, God, this is what is best for me. Amen. Dennis. Dennis said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And regardless of the day, regardless of what happens, we can rejoice in God always. And that's, that's difficult. Um, because life can change in an instant. 
And, and understand rejoicing isn't always, ha-ha, right? Isn't always smiles, laughter. Rejoicing is sometimes that just that stillness and that peace that the presence of God is there and he is in control. He's all-knowing. He's got this. And we can still be grieving but still rejoicing at the same time because God has us. Christine will... Oh, man. Hey, that would be really cool if, like, the Facebook chat or just all the LSE folks just drastically changes this week because we realize the Holy Spirit's in us, right? We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. Um, We can trust in God. And let me tell you what. We have those wonderful moments when people are freaking out because they think the world's going to hell in a handbasket. We get to be opportunities to bring the gospel to those moments. Our trust is not in governments. Our trust is not in what's going on in the world today. I mean, you know, we're talking before the service about, like, we're, we're thinking about building down the road and what does that look like. Prices are going out of the roof for building supplies. The president just placed tariffs on steel from other, other, other nations. And so guess what? 21% jump up in steel in one day. Right? And you know what we get to say? Guess God's got a plan for all that because he's going to take care of us. And if he wants a building down there someday, he's going to give us the means to do it. And if he doesn't, praise be to God because that's not what's good for us. Isn't that cool? We don't have to sit here and fret and worry and be scared. We get to say, God, it's all yours. These plans are all yours. Just lead us. Close with a final illustration. I was listening to... um, I hope you guys took notes. I threw a lot at you today, but hopefully now you're starting to take some notes and go home. And when you get with together with your life groups, you're going to be able to sit down and say, this thing is something that I've really got to work on, and I really want to change that. That truth needs to change how I live my life. Um, and I'm hoping you get that chance to do that this week. Vanderstelt was preaching, Jeff Vanderstelt from Adoxa Church was preaching a sermon on flourishing are those who are persecuted. He mentioned in this sermon regarding Jesus Christ, why Jesus Christ was so attractional, why people just loved coming to him, being present with him, um, even though he said some really hard things, and even though he, he challenged people where they were at, people were drawn to him. And he said, you know why people were so drawn to Jesus? It was as if the garden was present wherever Jesus went. And that those who came to Jesus experienced the garden. The peace, the comfort. And, and then in John chapter 14, we read that, that, that Jesus had to go away. In John chapter 16, that Jesus had to depart. Because instead of the Spirit being wherever Jesus, or instead of being the garden, be wherever Jesus walked, guess what happens now? The Spirit comes and indwells us. 
that we may be the garden wherever we go, that everyone who experiences us and talks to us gets to experience this, this spiritual event that they can't explain, that they're, they're loved, they're cared for, they get to experience this, this, this grace that it doesn't exist outside of the believers of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought about being many kingdoms running around? And that's why this time should be so impactful because it's all these like many kingdoms coming together to be God's big kingdom here in this place and we should be going nuts for God. Just celebrating him like crazy because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The world gets a look, a glimpse at, a tiny, tiny glimpse at of the coming kingdom. Because we've been dealt, dwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is and his character drastically changes how we live our day-to-day, moment-by-moment lives. And it's going to continue to change us. And maybe you take these seven truths and you pin them up on your mirror and home and saying, Lord, I, the Holy Spirit, please... Please let me live these name of truth out today in my life. Because right now I'm tired. I just woke up. I didn't get the sleep that I wanted. And, and, and the kids are kind of being nuts. Or, 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 or my spouse is, is, is asking a lot of me. Or I've got a full day today and I don't know how it's all going to get done. And I'm really fearful that if something doesn't get done today, what's going to happen? changes how we talk to each other. It changes how we live with each other. It matters. It genuinely matters. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the wonderful engagement that has taken place here and how folks have answered these these questions. And Lord, may we realize, oh, may we realize that because the Spirit indwells us, We are being changed every single day. And may we be encouraged this morning that though we may think we're unknowing of you, that you we do know you because the Holy Spirit indwells those who believe in Jesus Christ and trusted in him as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, if there's any here this morning whose heart has not been changed by the Holy Spirit, they're stiff arming God, they're they're keeping, they're resisting the Spirit's work right now. Lord God, I pray right now that they would surrender their hearts and their lives and believe and believe they would trust in Jesus Christ that today would be the first day they get to know the Holy Spirit as you change their hearts and lives thank you almighty God for desiring relationship with us In Jesus' name we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit.